0: G'day, welcome to Justin Case Law, I'm Tanya Chapman and in this episode I'm going to give you the short and the long of it. The short. A widow appoints her brother-in-law to be her attorney, to help her deal with the administration of her late husband's estate. Using that power, brother-in-law transfers estate money to Lebanon, into the control of his father, and now says that he cannot get it back. The widow wants the attorney to pay her back the money, Now the long of it. And the first thing I'm going to point out is that you may be appointed as an executor in a will or appointed or eligible to be the administrator of a deceased estate. And in that capacity, you can delegate that role to your appointed attorney under a power of attorney. A lot of people don't realize that you can do this and it's not ideal to do it. But in some situations, it is sensible or it makes things a lot easier. In this case, it led to a dispute. Fawzi Halani was born in 1968 in Lebanon and migrated to Australia in 1995. Lana was born in Lebanon in 1978. They married in Lebanon but lived in Penrith in Sydney. They had two sons, Max and Hassan. In July 2009, when Fawzi was only 41 years old, he committed suicide in their Penrith home. Soon after, Lana and her two children travelled to Lebanon for the funeral and burial of her husband. The children were only 7 and 4 years old at the time. It was there in Lebanon... That Lana signed a power of attorney appointing her brother in law Fadi Halani as her attorney to allow him to deal with her late husband's estate in Australia while she was to remain in Lebanon. Fadi only stayed in Lebanon for a week before returning to Australia to see to those duties. Back in Australia, there was the family home in Penrith, which Lana and the boys were understandably reluctant to return to. It was instead to be sold, the mortgage paid out and the proceeds formed part of the deceased estate. Fawzi had also worked as a postman and had a superannuation with the Australian Post superannuation scheme of about $162,000. Fawzi had died without a will and the legislation at the time, the Probate and Administration Act, determined that his estate was to be distributed Firstly, a legacy of $200,000 to his spouse, Lana. Half the residue, also to Lana, and the other half of the residue to his children. With the estate worth about $288,000, this would mean 244000 to Lana and 22000 to each of the boys. As Lana's attorney, Fadi could apply for a grant of probate that would allow him to deal with the estate for Lana's use and benefit. All quite simple. However, the court noted that there were deep social problems underlying these proceedings. In November 2009, Fadi returned to Lebanon and got Lana to sign a second power of attorney. He said words to her to the effect of, quote, Listen to me, you need to sign a second power of attorney so that I can open a bank account for you in Australia, and so I can put the estate money in a bank account for you and the children. End quote. She signed, and Fadi returned to Australia. The community in which the Halani family lived in Lebanon was profoundly patriarchal. And it was there that custody of Lana's children was taken from her. A Lebanon court granted custody of the children to their grandfather in March 2010, with further provisions that the boys are prevented from travelling without their grandfather's consent. There was no evidence that Lana was notified of these court proceedings or given any opportunity to participate. So for a while, she was forced to stay in Lebanon to remain in contact with her young children. But eventually she returned to Australia alone and commenced family law proceedings in Australia against the grandfather. Back in Australia, Fadi had applied for and received a grant of probate as Lana's appointed attorney, which authorised him to deal with the assets of the estate. He promptly sold the Penriff property and received the proceeds of $124,000, which he then swiftly transferred to the BLOM Bank in Lebanon, in accounts in the names of Fawzi's two sons. As they were only minors at the time, their guardian, who was their grandfather in the eyes of the Lebanon court, had control of the bank accounts. Lana now also needed to take these legal proceedings against Fadi to seek the return of the funds. Lana promptly revoked the power of the attorneys and sent Fadi notice of the revocations and demanded the return of the sale proceeds. Fadi denied that he had any control over the funds in the Lebanon bank account. Pretty much saying he had transferred the money and wiped his hands of it, I've got nothing to do with it now. The only other asset in the estate was the superannuation benefits. In April and May 2010, Fadi’s wife Mona contacted the Australian Post's superannuation scheme. She was not called to give evidence, but it was inferred that she had attempted to persuade the super fund to pay Fawzi's entitlements to Fardy, and she was unsuccessful. Fardy admitted as such, noting that they would not pay out the super to him. Lana applied for and received the superannuation benefit. As I mentioned, the benefit was about $160,000 and she paid $150,000 into term deposits for her sons with herself acting as trustee. She didn't have to do this. They were entitled to $22,000 each of the estate, which they had more than received with the $120,000 currently held in bank accounts in their names in Lebanon. But I guess Lana was thinking like a mother and wanted to put this money too aside for them. When Fadi refused to return the sale proceeds to Lana, she took the proceedings to court, where she argued that the grandfather and Fadi together had coerced her into signing the power of attorney documents, that the documents were put before her and she signed them under duress at a time when she was emotionally fragile and fearful of losing her children to the dominant grandfather. She also argued that Fadi was not authorised by her to use the power of attorney to transfer the money to Lebanon, and she wanted Fadi to be held personally liable to pay the estate the sum of $127,000. So she was arguing that while the power of attorney authorised him to do some things, It didn't extend to the action where he transferred the money out of the country. And because he had breached his duties, he himself would be personally liable to the estate. Acting as an administrator of the estate, Fadi was obliged to preserve it for the benefit of the beneficiaries, being Lana and her sons. He also had fiduciary duties in his position as Lana's attorney, including a duty to act in her best interest and in accordance with her instructions. Fadi said that he was acting in accordance with instructions, that he only ever acted on Lana's instructions and therefore she must have told him to transfer the proceeds to Lebanon. The, the key question for the court then was whether Lana had authorised or instructed Fadi to transfer the funds to Lebanon. Fadi disclaimed any knowledge or responsibility for the funds or the location of the children. He claimed that he was estranged from his father and knew nothing about what was going on now. He argued that it was Lana's responsibility alone to locate the children and deal with the grandfather and the Lebanon bank. He said that Lana should travel to Lebanon and make an application to the court there to resume custody of the children and to apply there to get the money back. He even went so far as to accuse her of abandoning her children to the care of their grandfather and being only interested in the money. Fadi had also argued before the court that Lana had demonstrated a lack of regard for the Penrith property. In that respect, the court found that, whilst that might be so, you must remember that this was the house in which Fawzi had taken his own life, stating, quote, Fawzi's death remains a profound mystery to everybody. In their search for truth, the most elusive of humanity's yearnings, family members have not been able, consistently, to resist recriminations. That is understandable, but unfortunate and ultimately unhelpful to everybody. Up until the last day of the hearing, Fadi had done nothing of substance to assist Lana to obtain control of or information about the funds in Lebanon. It was at the last minute that he tried to ring his father without success. He spoke to his father's lawyer, and asked for his father to give permission for the bank to disclose information about the children's bank accounts, and the lawyer denied this. He spoke to the manager of the Lebanon bank, and unsurprisingly was told that they could not legally disclose any information without the permission of the guardian which was the grandfather. He did all of this at the very last minute and then provided the court with the contact details for his father, his father's lawyer and the bank manager. All of it a little too late, and the court noted, probably because he had finally realised how much trouble he was in, or in the court's words, quote, that the defendant had taken these steps at all evidences a new appreciation Heightened by the risk of personal liability for funds gone astray, that he cannot simply stand by doing nothing to assist the plaintiff, leaving her to run the gauntlet of dealing with his father in Lebanon. End quote. Fadi also stated that he believed the boys should be returned to their mother in Australia, which was acknowledged in the judgment as follows quote, This sentiment may be of comfort to the plaintiff, but she might not unreasonably treat it with reserve, unless and until it is acted upon in a more concrete way than has been done to date, End quote. Outcome The court would not go so far as to find that Lana had signed the power of attorney under coercion, noting that she had signed them before a notary public who certified that Lana signed willingly and with full knowledge of the contents. Lana contended that the notary public was from the same village as the Lalani family, and therefore was under their influence or was prone to act in their favour or say things in their favour, but without further evidence was unable to prove coercion. The court even said that it could be rational and reasonable to appoint Vardy as attorney to deal with the estate in Australia. Further to this, though, it was noted that It would be on the basis that no estate assets should be distributed without the informed consent and express instruction of Lana. The court found that when Fadi returned to Lebanon in November, he induced Lana to sign that second power of attorney, and in doing so represented that he would not deal with the estate property without her informed consent, and that without that representation being made, Lana would not have signed that second power of attorney. It was only because he said he would act on her instructions that she gave him the power. It was determined that Fadi had intentionally transmitted the sale proceeds to Lebanon in full knowledge that they would be in the control of the children's guardian, his father. But because the revocation of the power of attorney that Lana had done, the revocation was sent to the wrong address. The court, therefore, could not find that Fadi knew his appointment had been revoked when he transferred the funds to Lebanon. He did, however, do it, without notice to Lana at a time when he was supposed to be acting as her attorney and for her benefit. Justice Lindsay stated, It is not open to the defendant now, to the detriment of both the plaintiff and Fawzi's estate, to contend that, as between Lana and himself, it was open to him to transmit the sale proceeds of the Penrith property to Lebanon and to exclusion of Lana without obtaining her specific express informed consent to that particular transaction. It would be both unfair and unconscionable to permit him to do so, End quote. Justice Lindsay also found that the terms of that second power of attorney, and the circumstances in which the two powers of attorney had been signed, that neither of them provided any justification for Fadi to transfer the money overseas. Moreover, when he did that transaction, he was on notice that Lana may not in fact consent to any such transaction, so he was aware that this would put the money in the control of his father, the children's grandfather, and that Lana would be unlikely to consent to that. Because Justice Lindsay is a brilliant writer, I'm going to quote some more. Quote, His failure to obtain her fully informed consent lies at the heart of his breach of trust. In the ultimate analysis, I find that, when the defendant transmitted the net proceeds of sale of the Penrith property to Lebanon, he did so in breach of obligations of trust owed by him to the estate of Fawzi, and through the estate, the plaintiff and her sons. And that accordingly, he is personally liable to restore that money, with interest, to the estate, now represented by the plaintiff." End quote. To round things off, Justice Lindsay noted that, with Fadi being ordered to pay the funds plus interest to the estate, He in turn could take legal proceedings against his own father to get the money back from the Lebanon bank accounts. Fadi was advised to get legal advice about doing that. So what I mean is Fadi is personally liable. He transferred the $127,000 to Lebanon, but regardless of what happens with that money in Lebanon now, Barty is personally liable. He has to reach into his own pocket, his own bank accounts, his own assets to pay Lana and the estate. If he then wants to, he can get that he can try to get that money from Lebanon back for himself, but that's up to him. that's a separate matter. On another note, Justice Lindsay found beyond reasonable doubt that Lana had a deep and abiding love for her children. because if you'll remember, Fidey was making a lot of accusations against her. But Justice Lindsay said no, she did not abandon them and had endeavoured to maintain her relationship with them in an atmosphere weighed against her. The fact that she set aside $150,000 in trust for her children puts to bed any allegation that she was a gold digger. In May 2011, the family court made orders that the children live with the mother and the mother is to have parental responsibility for them, so she's in control, she makes the decisions, and the children should live with her. A copy of these family court orders was given to the grandfather's solicitor and personally served on the grandfather. Despite this, Lana had still not been able to secure the children's return from Lebanon by the time of this court hearing in February 2013 which is a very sad note to end this on but ended i must that was the case of halani versus halani 2013 it was an interesting case that illustrates that the administrator or the executor of a deceased estate may delegate their duties to their own appointed attorney but that that attorney then has dual obligations They have a fiduciary duty as the attorney to act in the principal's best interest and to act on instructions, and they also have duties to the deceased estate to act in the best interest of the estate and the beneficiaries of the estate. So even though they have been given this power and authority, it comes with strict guidelines, duties, and obligations, and if they breach them... They may be personally liable. I hope you found this case interesting and I hope you'll join me for my next one.